3: Good morning, it's 8.30 on Tuesday, August 8th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippians are heading to the polls today for the state's party primaries. Then we talk with the party officials about what folks can expect during this year's election cycle. Plus, we hear the story of a Mississippian who lost her right to vote but may get it back soon. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Primary elections for state and local offices are taking place across Mississippi today. Polls opened this morning at 7, and anyone who is in line by 7 tonight will be able to cast a ballot. We speak with Secretary of State Michael Watson about what folks can expect and where to get their questions answered.
1: Go to yallvote.ms, and if you click on the My Election Day tab, it'll show everything that you can imagine for your Election Day experience. So it's going to have your polling place locator. It's going to have your local information for your circuit clerk's office. It's going to have sample ballots. It's going to have uh, the names of your locally elected officials uh, and more information about You know, your your specific experience that day. And the second thing I would say is to call your circuit clerk's office. Uh, You know, we're going to have accurate information on our website, but it's always good to double check that with your circuit clerk's office uh, to be prepared to go vote.
3: What do you get the most calls on on an election day?
1: It, It typically is. Uh, the precinct question, where is it that I go vote? And so that's why we've really tried to, a couple of efforts. Number one, we did an Elections 101 campaign where we did a lot of social media posts uh, about people talking to their senior clerk's office or checking our My Election Day page uh, to be prepared before Election Day. And I think that's an important piece to remind folks. Uh, But also, again, you know, making sure that they have questions about who's on the ballot. Uh, what's the election this year? Who am I going to see on that ballot? And that's why the Senate ballot is so important for them on my election day. But that's probably the biggest question we get is, is where do I go vote? Uh, and the second one would be sometimes we have folks call and say, hey, we saw something that, that looked a little bit odd. We're not exactly sure what was going on here, but we appreciate those calls and would encourage Mississippians. If you do see something that seems a little bit off, uh, make sure to give us a call or your circuit clerk's office, or if there's something that seems to be criminal, Activity-wise, we encourage them to call the sheriff's office or, or number one if it's that important.
3: Will you have any poll watchers out?
1: So we will have close to uh, 50 counties covered today. There will be people from our office that go out and make sure the law is being followed in the precincts. And I think that's really important to remind Mississippians. We don't just talk about election integrity. We actually do the work on the ground, being in the precincts, making sure that, again, the the folks who are running our elections are following the law. And if they have questions, clearly we'll be able to answer those on the ground, face-to-face. And I think that's really important for folks to know
3: primaries are usually low turnout. Do you expect that today?
1: I don't. Uh, I expect better turnout than we have had in the past. And I base that on our absentee numbers. Uh, as the, the last I saw, we were about 2,000 north of the absentee uh, ballots that had come in at this time on 2019, uh, the 2019 statewide races. So I would project maybe based on those numbers that we would have a little higher turnout than 19, which is a great thing. And again, I go back to the work that we've done, educating Mississippians on the process, and once they feel a little more comfortable with it, uh, they seem to engage a little bit better. So we're excited about those numbers.
3: If a voter goes to the polls and their name isn't on the list, what do they do?
1: So I encourage them number one, ask questions. Hey, look, what, what happened? Uh, why is my name not on the list? Uh, to make sure that they can get to the bottom of that answer. But number two, they will always be able to vote by affidavit ballot. And so they can ask the, the poll manager there, hey, I would like to cast an affidavit ballot, and they would be allowed to do so. So that's very important to know when they go in. So I appreciate you asking that question.
3: What is an affidavit ballot?
1: So basically, it's a provisional ballot. If there's some issue, uh, like you just mentioned there, if their name is not on the voter roll and there was some issue with it being uploaded or, or something uh, on the back end of the computer system uh, that, that caused an error and the name was not on the voter roll, then that would be a provisional ballot. Uh, that ballot would be cast, and if they go back and check the system and say, look, there was an error here, this vote should be counted, and it will, in fact, be counted.
3: Is there ever a case where someone is not allowed to vote?
1: They can always cast an affidavit ballot. Now, the key with that is sometimes you will see folks that say, hey, I did go register prior to uh, the cutoff for registration for this election, when, in fact, maybe they did not. And so that provisional ballot that they to cast with the affidavit ballot is one that that is sitting there, and the research is done on the back end. And again, say they uh, missed it by a couple of days, then that but will not be counted because they did not register in time. So they will be allowed to cast an absentee ballot no matter what. Uh, but on the back end, that is cleaned up through the process uh, when we go in and look at uh, look did they did they make it on time? Did they do all the things right? Uh, and if they did, it will be counted. But if not, it won't.
3: Have we hit the deadline for absentee ballots, or when is that deadline?
1: So if you have a mail-in ballot, you have to have it postmarked by today. It has to be received within five days. As far as in-person goes, that closed on Saturday. So the only thing left out there are mail-in ballots that folks had already requested and received, and they need to be postmarked by today. So that's a really important part, and I appreciate you again pointing that out.
3: Turning to the recent decision of a panel of Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal judges a provision that prevents certain felonies from allowing someone to vote for the rest of their life is unconstitutional. Does that take effect today?
1: So that that won't impact this election uh, and I won't get too far into the details, but uh, we're we're going to plan to appeal that. There were actually two cases uh, that were were pretty similar with that issue. Uh, One of them, uh, the court ruled opposite uh, and and said that it was constitutional and this one was a, a little bit of an odd ruling, in my opinion. And uh, we were looking to appeal that one. So I can't talk too much about those details because it is ongoing, but that is not going to affect this election today.
3: That's Mississippi Secretary of State Michael Watson. To find more information about where your polling place is, visit the website yallvote.ms. And statewide candidates and the races can be found at mpbonline.org slash election. Coming up, we speak with the Republican and Democratic Party chairs about the elections. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. There are many ways to support the programs you love on MPB. Becoming a member. Starting a monthly gift. Donate a vehicle you don't need anymore. And now, donating a piece of land or other real estate. To learn more about the advantages of donating real estate, just click Donate Now from MPBOnline.org.
0: MPB Think Radio airs local programs every weekday morning at 9. It's your chance to learn about Southern cooking, home improvement projects, and more. MPB Think Radio Mississippi is our mission.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Politicians have been on the campaign trail for months leading into today's primary elections. For many local races, whoever is chosen as the nominee could run uncontested in November. To learn more about who and what's on the ballot this year, we spoke with Democratic Party Chair Sheck Taylor of Starkville.
2: The problem for a lot of voters across the state is that because some of these uh, primaries are so packed with talent, it's going to be a hard choice. Uh, I know at least three or four of those races. It's going to have candidates uh, uh, filled with great choices, and uh, it's going to come down to marketing. It's going to come down to who's, uh, um, you know, uh, had a, uh, a better ground game as far as uh, contacting them from uh, individuals. And also uh, being able to put their past, as far as their working past, uh, on the platform. So there's a lot of excitement. I'm actually looking uh, to Tuesday as if it was a prize fight. And and I will be there waiting to congratulate the victors and those who were not so successful in this campaign race. Uh, because some of those individuals, we hope, uh, will stay in the pipeline and be agreeable to if not that position they ran for, maybe even another position in the party. There were over seventy four uncontested seats in the state of Mississippi, uh that did not have primaries with Democrats and Republicans. So we will be challenging those seventy four empty seats coming up uh in the next election cycle. Uh so there uh so uh the point I'm trying to make is that uh, inevitably there will there should not be any winners or losers per se because there's still opportunities for many of those candidates to participate in, in races coming up in the future.
3: Why do you think uh, Democrats are having such a hard time winning statewide office?
2: Well, let, let's just be honest. Um, there's a ton of money uh, that is coming to uh, the state of Mississippi supporting re- Republican candidates up and down the ticket. And so that has been uh, one of the biggest Sources of uh, contention. Uh, it takes money to push your message, and once you get some more money, you can actually increase your bandwidth with your message, so that your talking points and that your uh, that your philosophy about how to move the state forward uh, can be heard by everyone. Sometimes that has been an obstacle. Now I will say this: that will be less and less an obstacle with the uh, Brandon Presley campaign, as you know, he's out-raised. Um, uh, the sitting governor uh, two months in a row now. Uh, and I think that his last campaign uh, finance reports uh, uh, showed that he got over $1.5 million in one month. So so we're looking forward to actually challenging him not only just with messaging uh, but also with uh, campaign contributions as well leading up to November.
3: The former uh, party chair, Judge Tyree Irving, you took his position. You were voted in. What about the organizational aspect and leadership of the party in the state?
2: Well, the organizational aspect is intact. Uh, we still have our front office, which is an, an excellent front office, with uh, Andrew Wagner being our executive director and was actually the first choice uh, of our former chair. So there's continuity there in the office. Uh, there's continuity among our uh, our chairs uh, in the Democratic Party, and actually, what grows the continuity is our strategic plan that we're developing as we speak. So, uh, whether it's grassroots organizing from the county level, all the way up to getting uh, incredible producers and filmmakers to come into the state to highlight uh, the stories of our uh, Mississippi politics and 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 get out our. Our messaging uh, as Democrats, uh, all of those things are on the table right now. You'll see those come to fruition before uh, before November.
3: One of the most contested primary races in the state is for lieutenant governor, incumbent lieutenant governor Republican Delbert Hoseman is facing off against state senator Republican Chris McDaniel. Our Will Stribling speaks with the party chair Frank Bordeaux about what folks can expect on the conservative ticket this year.
0: We have up-ticket races that are very competitive in the Republican primary, but we also have down-ticket races that are very competitive as well in the Republican primary. We also have a number of counties that have completely moved from the Democrat party to Republican party. So you're seeing a larger number of uh, Republicans on the ballot than we've seen. I believe that's indicative of the job that we've done over the past several years. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to see that grow.
4: Yeah. How many, uh, talking about counties that were races that were formerly held by Democrats that are switched to Republicans now, do you have uh, any numbers there, like how many of those are and how much larger of a supermajority in the legislature you all expect to have? These
0: affect more uh, of your county uh, elected officials, not as much as your representatives. Obviously, we're hopeful that in November that we can pick up seats both in the House and the Senate. We're confident that we are going to be able to pick up uh, seats. But right now, as we're talking about, is, you know, the Republican primary. Smith County is a great example of basically the entire county moved the Republican. And you have several other counties that there's very few, if any, Democrats running at all. And so I believe the Republican turnout is going to be good tomorrow. Uh, anecdotally, I've talked to folks in different counties Uh, across the state in absentee ballots are near or above uh, 2019 uh, levels. Obviously, I haven't spoken at all 82 counties, but it's looking like the Republican turnout is going to be very strong.
4: What do you attribute that to? And you have a
0: lot of local races that are going to be, that are very competitive as well, sheriff races and supervisors races across the state. So there's a lot of interest in uh, in what's going on in Mississippi. But I also believe, you know, our record is, is a good record. Uh, over the past several years, and so I believe that Mississippi voters uh, are gravitating to the Republican Party, and there's a lot of interest in our party right
5: now.
4: Looking forward to November, um, you know, we're one of, one of the three states having gubernatorial races this year. That's going to be a big driver of turnout. Do you expect the, the, the Trump indictment to, to really energize your base in November?
0: Obviously, I think you're seeing nationally that, that Republicans are energized. Right now, time will tell. I don't want to speculate uh, as far as uh, that that is concerned, moving into November. Right now, we're going to talk about our record and what we've accomplished and uh, as far as November is concerned. We have a great record. We're going to tout it. We're going to remind Mississippians of that. And Joe Biden's not going anywhere right now. We're also going to remind Mississippi voters that a Democrat is a Democrat, uh, and they, they are going to align with the Biden administration. And so... I feel very confident, and I'm very excited about August 9th, so we can get focused in as a party uh, from running the primary to uh, winning in November.
4: What are y'all hearing? What uh, what issues do you think are really animating your base right now, and you think are going to be a b- a big deal come November?
0: Well, obviously, you've seen our education gains. We're going to, we're going to tout our successes that we've had, whether it's job growth in Mississippi, our education gains. We've passed policy over the past four years that's made all Mississippians' lives better. Mississippians know that. We're going to keep reminding them of what we're doing together as Mississippians, keeping the momentum moving forward.
3: Frank Bordeaux chairs the Mississippi Republican Party. Coming up, we talk with an attorney who has represented two men tortured, sexually assaulted, and allegedly framed by former law enforcement officers in Rankin County. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think
1: Radio. Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Please join me and my colleagues for the Mississippi Arts Hour, where we have in-depth conversations with different creative Mississippians. That's the Mississippi Arts Hour, Sundays at 5 on Think Radio, or download it as a podcast.
2: Join Next Stop Mississippi from the 35th Sunflower Blues and Gospel Festival, August 11th at 10 a.m. We'll deliver authentic sounds from this year's celebration with live interviews and unforgettable performances. From the Grits, Greens, and Barbecue VIP Party to Ground Zero Blues Club, we're sharing the excitement and history with you live from Clarksdale. So tune in only on MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Six former law enforcement officers from Rankin County are expected to plead guilty soon to state charges of torture, sexual assault, and shooting a victim. They've already pled guilty to federal charges. Their victims, two black men who were in their home when the officers came in without a warrant and began their attack. One of the men was shot in the mouth and left bleeding while the officers attempted to cover up their actions. Our Mike McEwen speaks with attorney Trent Walker, who represents the two victims and did so during the federal trial.
5: A lot of this I learned at the same time the rest of the public learned. Specifically, uh, we knew that there had to be some sort of pre-planning done. Uh, We were sure that there was no warrant, although uh, before yesterday, that had not been officially confirmed, um, so we, we were aware there had to be some sort of plan going in. We knew what the motivation uh, was going in just by having uh, done our own investigation, you know, talking to our own clients uh, and the lady that owned the house with regard to her previous experience. not surprising that um, there would have been some sort of incident or a uh, made-up reasoning for uh, some sort of search of the home or search of our clients. Uh, that part is not surprising at all. The uh, lengths to which they went, the depravity and the corruption is what is, to my knowledge, unequal.
4: Could you speak to what the officer's motivation was in raiding the house?
5: Well, according to what we learned, allegedly, a white neighbor had made a complaint about black men uh, hanging out at the house. So there's at least the suspicion that there's uh, some level of racial motivation uh, there. The lady who owns the house uh, is a disabled um, white female, and one of our clients actually lived there as her caretaker because they had known each other uh, 20 or 25 or 30 years or however long and so uh, essentially you took what was a neighbor's prejudice and or suspicions and all he had to do was hand that over to brett mcalpin who was also a neighbor i want to point out Uh, and brett mcalpin then organized Uh, the goon squad or or sought the help of the goon squad to uh, come in and torture and terrorize our clients.
4: And what is the nature of the federal charges that they're facing? Is it civil rights charges?
5: Yeah, the federal charges are civil rights violations as well as federal criminal charges, Uh, you know, most specifically discharging a firearm during the commission of a federal uh, of federal crime. Uh, they're charged with deprivation of rights under the color of law uh, and certain Fourth Amendment violations. And so all of those uh, charges, there were 13 counts, and all of those charges carry um, a grand total. I think there's one person who faces up to 120 years, and I think that uh, the least that Any of the six faces is up to 70 years, and two of them have mandatory minimum consecutive sentences because they discharged their firearms at the scene. And those would be Elward and Dedman, uh, who discharged firearms at the scene and therefore also pled guilty to additional uh, federal charges with a 10-year minimum and a life maximum.
4: So during the course of your investigation, was there any indication as to how these six officers were able to form the so-called Goon Squad within the Rankin County Sheriff's Department? Were they part of some sort of special tactical team within the department?
5: Well, what was revealed was that the Goon Squad was allegedly the 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. shift. Now, I don't know if everybody on the 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. shift Uh, called themselves members of the Goon Squad. That part is not clear to me. But uh, Middleton, Elward, and Updike, I believe, were members of the quote-unquote Goon Squad. Apparently they had uniform patches, so they had their own version of a challenge coin with its own logo on the front and the Rankin County Sheriff's Department logo on
4: the reverse. So to the extent that you and your colleague investigated Elward and the Sheriff's Department... If it was known to leadership, were you able to find anything in terms of discipline?
5: Uh, right now, that's a work in progress still. You know, and, and I say that just because personnel records are not generally available. So we're not able to say what kind of discipline may or may not have been instigated by the department against Mr. Elwood. What we do know is he certainly continued in his employment.
3: Trent Walker is one of the attorneys who represented 32-year-old Michael Jenkins and 35-year-old Eddie Parker after they were attacked, tortured, and sexually assaulted by police. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.